Welcome to the Fabulously Keto podcast aimed at improving health, vitality and quality of life. Eating real food in a ketogenic lifestyle. I'm Jackie Fletcher and I'm based in the UK. And I'm Louise Reynolds, an Aussie currently based in Bangkok, Thailand. Each week we will be bringing you guests who share their stories and discuss a range of topics which we hope will improve your health and well-being. Many of the guests, like us, came to Keto for Weight Loss and have stayed for their well-being, numerous health benefits and because they are living their best lives. We hope you will be inspired to incorporate these ideas into your own health journey so that you can feel better than you ever have before. Thinking about starting keto? Take a listen to episode number two, What is Keto and How to Start? Welcome to episode 70 of the Fabulously Keto podcast. And today I'm talking to Nicola Locke. Now, Nicola Locke is a member of our Facebook group, the Fabulously Keto Facebook group, and she is also a PHC ambassador. So we've keep our paths keep crossing um, here and there. And what I love about Nicola's story is not only did she change the way she eats, but she's also been studying low carb and keto with the Nutrition Network. And Nicola wants to share her knowledge with others. And I thought this episode was really appropriate for this week because she started her journey in the new year of 2019. So it was a sort of New Year's resolution was to lose weight. Um, And so this is coming out at the beginning of January. So I thought it was very apt time. Anyway, let me tell you a little bit about Nicola. Nicola Locke was a medical secretary in the NHS for 15 years and then set up as a freelance self-employed medical transcriptionist, which she's been doing for the last 17 years, mainly in the private sector. Her interest in low carb began about six years ago after discovering Michael Mosley's eight-week blood sugar diet. Over the years, she has made several attempts at losing weight, which either failed or if she succeeded initially, she then put the weight back on and was back to square one. In the new year of 2019, she threw herself into low carb in an attempt to lose weight and six months later had lost 23 pounds, which she's kept off, give or take a few pounds. Although she had no initial health issues, after being low carb, she has noticed improvement in her skin as well as improved energy and well-being. Nicola has been a member of the Nutrition Network since July 2020 and has completed several of their courses, including Nutrition Network Advisor, Obesity, Risks and Reversals, Ethics and Neurology. Nicola has been a PHC ambassador since October 2020 and has become involved in the Unwins Low Carb Group. Let's hear from Nicola. Welcome, Nicola, to the Fabulously Keto podcast. It's fabulous to have you with us today. Oh, thank you for inviting me, Jackie. I'm a big fan of the podcast. <laughs> thank you. And you're part of our Facebook group. Yep. <laughs> and we always start with where in the world are you? Okay, so I'm in the northwest of England in a little seaside town called Southport, which is probably people will know Liverpool is our closest city. 
and also home to the Dr. Zumwin. Yes, about two miles away from where I live. Excellent. <laughs> surgery, yeah. Are you part of their surgery or not? I'm not part of their surgery, but um, I am I, I'm part of their low-carb group. I sort of sit in as an observer and as a PHC ambassador. Excellent. So let's go back and find out how you got on your low-carb. How would you describe the way you eat is it low carb is it keto what would you no, say it's, it's more low carb um, maybe virgin on keto but yeah I'm, I'm not sort of really really strict keto yeah um but it started probably about six or seven years ago and I'd seen Dr Michael Mosley being interviewed on the tv about his new book the eight-week blood sugar diet book and just thought well that sounds interesting because he'd been diagnosed as pre-diabetic and he'd been advised to take medication and he decided, no, he didn't want to do that. So he looked into um, improving his health and he'd written this book. So I bought the book and I've never really been a sciencey kind of person, but something about it just clicked something in my mind. And I, I thought, well, you know, what certain foods can do to your body? Um, it just really interested me. So I sort of dabbled with low carb for a few years and Went, went by the wayside and um, I ended up going to see Dr. Michael Mosley. He was sort of doing it in concert kind of thing um, <laughs> in Liverpool, uh, a tour, much to the amusement of all my family. And it, Dr. David Ullman was there. He got up on stage and gave a little speech. Um, and like I say, I sort of dabbled in and out for about three or four years. And then it was January 2019. And the usual story after Christmas, you get on the scales and just wanted to cry. I put so much weight on. And I thought, you know what, I need, I know what I need to do. I'm going to do this. And I just threw myself into it, the low carb. And by the summer, I'd lost, I think I lost 23 pounds altogether. So I'd, I'd never been massively overweight. I was probably was on a BMI. I probably would have been overweight. So I was, I was a couple of pounds off 12 stone, which to me was a lot of weight because I'd always been around nine and a half. Mm. So I got myself down to. Um, I think it was 10 stone three and I've stayed around about that for the last few years and sort of got so passionate about the whole thing that you could lose all this weight without being hungry that I I just wanted to tell everybody about it (laughs) don't we all don't we all so you didn't really have any particular health problems it was just the weight issue and it was the weight issue to begin with but I think I realized afterwards that I probably did have a few health problems I'd always suffered from problems with my skin um I don't you know I got like this um cracks in the corner of my mouth years ago I went to see a dermatologist um I, I when I was sort of like mid-20s I, I sort of developed acne which I've never had as a teenager and that took a while to get rid of and um I got like psoriasis on my elbows which it, it actually runs in the family my granddad had psoriasis and I just thought that's one of those things I used to get um, every so often my eyes would puff up for no reason. And I think it must have been something I'd eaten. So with hindsight, I think I probably did have health issues, but didn't put them down to the nutrition. No. And they they obviously weren't that bad that you needed to search out something specific to do for them. Well, no. And whenever I did go to see the dermatologist, it was just throwing creams at me and antibiotics. Yeah, that's what they do. (laughs) So it's quite interesting that you say that you did that as a New Year's resolution type of thing and that this podcast is going to be coming out in the beginning of January. So 
maybe there'll be people listening that are thinking, oh, I need to do something as a New Year's resolution. But what I say to people is New Year's, we all, well, I never did New Year's resolutions because I knew I was rubbish at keeping up with them. But people start a New Year's resolution and then the following year they have the same resolution. I want to lose weight. I'm going to go to the gym. And it's always the same things. But Einstein says the definition of insanity is doing the same thing and expecting a different result. So my thing is, what are you going to do differently this year to get that result? So have you have you made any New Year's resolutions? No, I don't think so. I think because over the last year, maybe I've um, improved my health so much and I've started exercising more and I, I go to like a meditation class at the gym once a week. And I do like a PT session at the gym once a week. So I, I don't feel that there's anything this year that I need to improve on. And, you know, sort of trying to lose weight and things like that, you realise that once you find the correct way of eating, you, you don't even need to even think about weight control anymore. It's not about that. No, uh, you're just eating healthily. Yeah, definitely. So how has your, because we're, we're recording this between Christmas and New Year, how was Christmas? How did you stick to your plan? Did you stick to your plan? I no, know I didn't. Did I? I didn't stick to my plan. <laughs> yeah, me well, neither. I'd like to say that I had, and I did try, but because there was food in the house for other people, I just can't help myself. And I've got, I've got to say, I did feel awful. We had that. I mean, I absolutely love the um, the Lindor truffles. And I got a big bag of those and I put them in a bowl for other people, of course. And I just found myself having the odd one, but it did give me heartburn. Ah, yeah. And uh, I mean, Christmas dinner, everybody else would have Yorkshire pudding, roast potatoes. I'd just fill up on veg. So mm. I had the turkey, I had the pigs in blankets, uh, I had stuffing and um, just all the vegetables. And I was full after that. And I made a cake, like a clementine cake. And I, it's made with almond flour. And I just swap out the sugar for swerve, which is like a sugar replacement. And you can't tell the difference. Nobody knew. Excellent. Yeah. Oh, so you did quite well. I I, I was not good. I did. I, I, I didn't focus on the meat. I focused on the potatoes. And the well, I know, but for once but, a year, it doesn't matter, does it? No. And do you know what? I, could, I, don't, I couldn't eat as much as I usually eat. Mm. I just couldn't eat the quantity and we I normally have Christmas pudding on Christmas day and just couldn't eat dessert it was too full up so yeah it's okay I think probably where I go a bit wrong at Christmas is the booze which I think increases the appetite as well so I drink more at Christmas than I would normally do Mm. and then I'm like "Mm, I've got the munchies now the only things that I will definitely not eat are things like crisps because I do have this thing about the seed oils that I don't know I just um a packet of crisps or a packet of Doritos or Pringles or something. I just think of them being covered in engine oil. It just revolts me. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is hard, isn't it? Once you know, you can't yeah. unknow it. So you, you, as you said, you're a PHC ambassador. Yeah, how's that been going? Um, getting better actually. Um, I've been an ambassador for just over a year, and of course, when when I was an, first became an ambassador, we were on lockdown. So what we're supposed to do is try and approach GP surgeons and healthcare practitioners and sort of um, offer to set up groups for them. And because we couldn't get into the surgeries, I was just sort of stuck. And then after a while, I thought, well, you know, I'm in Southport. The Unwins are in Southport. I know it's not my surgery, but I can't get into my surgery. So I approached 
Jen Ullman via Twitter, actually. Um, and she gave me contact details and they were quite happy for me to join the group. It's it's quite a well-established group. So um, I'm there more sort of a, as an observer or to contribute if I need to. I have done a couple of presentations, which the very first one that I did, I was so nervous. I've never used a PowerPoint presentation <laughs> before, but I think it went okay. But it's built my confidence up being an ambassador. Yeah. And we went to the PHC Ambassadors Conference which I think you were going to go, but it was your birthday. It was my birthday. It was, yes. But it was so nice to meet people in person. And I think we all came back there with like all this enthusiasm, like I'm going to go for it. Um, What I started doing was um, getting the PHC leaflets and sort of like laminating a little business card for myself and clipping them all together, carrying them around in my handbag. And, you know, if the conversation came up, like I was at the gym one day and you know, the personal trainer was like, oh, what is it that you do? And what's it all about? Oh, well, I just happen to have this leaflet in my bag. And he was really interested. And he said, well, if you, because I said, oh, I'm trying to get groups together, but it's really difficult. And he said, well, we've got a room here. You can have it free of charge if you want. I was so excited. So I'm hoping to do something with that in January. But it's a little bit uncertain at the moment whether people want to go out or to meet up so I'm, I'm just going to hold fire a little bit longer yeah um but there's also the pharmacist in our local village she's very kindly agreed to take some leaflets from me although she won't um display them in the actual pharmacy she said she's not allowed to it can only be nhs stuff but she's prepared to put them into the um like <clears throat> sorry a consultation room and if people come along and want to talk to a one-to-one and they want to talk about maybe losing weight or their food, she said she will give my information to them. That's excellent. Yeah. That's so enough. I feel like I'm, yeah, baby steps really. Yeah. But at least you're making some inroads. Yeah. I haven't even approached our doctor's surgery because I just think they're so inundated with COVID stuff that they're not, they're not going to be open to, you know, what can they do? They're trying to keep people away from the surgery. Yeah. Not invite them in. So yeah and I don't know what it's like where you are but at the moment you know COVID we were talking off air is rife here in the southeast yeah and um, so I think people are staying away so I think it's quite wise not to try and do anything for January I don't know how it is up where you are um it's probably pretty much the same this is probably the first time that I've known people who've got it whereas before I didn't know anybody but I actually know people I mean they're not ill they're testing positive so that's why they're getting a positive test but they don't seem to be ill or maybe just a little bit sniffly yeah but it doesn't seem to be as serious you know as as it was before people are having milder symptoms yeah which is a good thing yeah it's obviously mutated so I think it'll become like the common cold won't it definitely maybe flu I think yeah yeah blue light hopefully yeah so you're also um a network nutrition advisor yeah so we have quite a few things in common because that's that's my training as well yeah what other courses have you done uh so well I started off um, nutrition network advisor and then um because I sort of came so interested in it I then enrolled on the obesity risk reversal um then there was the ethics course and at the moment I'm doing a neurology course and that's sort of centered around how nutrition can help with things like Alzheimer's, with migraines, with um, things like ADHD. Uh, it's absolutely amazing that the studies that they've done. Um, but what, 
as a layperson like me who's who's not medical you've got to do the nutrition network advisor first but then that opens up for you to do the more professional courses which I'm just enjoying so much yeah is that with Dale Bresden I can't say his surname the the neurological oh one. yeah Dale Bredesen yeah Bredesen, Bredesen. yeah but it's run through the nutrition network yeah excellent yeah I listened to something from them quite a while ago now and it was really interesting how mm. what we eat does all sorts of things to our brain so so what have been some of your biggest takeaways from, from doing the, courses? the courses yeah Oh, gosh, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I sit there with a pen and paper while I'm listening to them and I have to keep pausing to write down all these quotes. I'm just absolutely amazed. Um, the, I think the standout course for me, which surprised me, was the ethics course. Um, and, and there's so many quotes in there about the way that you should treat people. And, you know, being ethical in medicine, rather than sort of saying, well, this is the law and sticking to the rules, being ethical and doing the right thing for the patient. And I think um, it might have been Tim Noakes, one of his presentations where he said, you know, when you're treating a patient, if you wouldn't prescribe this for your own family members, then why would you do it for somebody else? It's not ethical to do that. And yeah, it, it just ab- absolutely blew me away that course. It really did. Just to do the right thing for people, whether it's within the law or not, it's like, well, is this really the right thing for my patient? Would I do this for somebody else? Yeah. yeah, I love that one. That's and I guess if you're in medicine and it's the law and it goes against your Hippocratic oath, it must be really hard to to decide what to do. Do you think? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, first thing is do no harm, isn't it? Yeah. And I don't even think that the doctors now take the Hippocratic no, oath. No, they don't. No, they don't. So do no harm doesn't even come into it, but you'd think that people get into medicine because they want to help rather than hinder people. Oh, definitely. I mean, I, I was a medical secretary for years. I worked in psychiatry in Liverpool and I just loved um, talking to the patients. I mean, where I worked, it was like, um, it was half forensic and rehabilitation. So they were long-term patients and years ago, I mean, the patients just used to walk into your office at the moment. It's all closed doors, probably. And I just absolutely love talking to them and hearing their stories. And I mean, at one time I wanted to be a psychiatric nurse, but my husband was like, no, no, because you hear about, I mean, the worst stories about the nurses used to get attacked and things like that. But I just loved being with the patients. And I think everybody that I work with, the doctors, the nurses, everybody, I'm not quite sure it's the same now. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, so the, you've got some medical background, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what I'm doing now, I'm um, at the moment I'm doing medical transcription and I've been doing that from home for about the last 17, 18 years, just something I fell into. And what I do is I work for private practices. Um, they outsource their typing to me on a regular basis. And that's mostly around um, orthopaedics, pain medicine, uh, rheumatology, things like that. Mm. Um, and I'm quite amazed sometimes that nutrition never comes into any question the only time nutrition ever comes into questioning is maybe someone who's got like a a immunosuppressant disorder and they might sort of ask them about the diet or you know asking about um, particularly like with bone health what they're eating but Mm. apart from that it doesn't ever seem to come into it no but they, they haven't been taught that no 
So what? why would they even think it? Well, I think I said to my parents once when we were out on a walk, something about, I was talking about the courses that I was doing. And I said, I said, well, the doctors don't really get taught about nutrition. And one of them said to me, well, that's what the nutritionists are for. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then the nutritionists are just taught the standard yeah. 50-year-old stuff that we've been hearing for the last 50 years. Yeah. Yeah. Such a shame. But we're enlightened. We're yes, awake. Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> So how uh, does oh sorry on, I was, I was going to say I think a big part of this as well is the community like connecting with people like you and Facebook groups. So before I started the low carb, I was never even on Facebook. It was something I didn't want to do. I was on Twitter, um, but not very. You know, I just you put dog pictures on it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but now I think you can connect to so many interesting people, and I joined Facebook. I think to become part of the Nutrition Network Facebook group. Ah, yeah, um, and then of course the amount of people that I follow on Twitter now and all the low carb people—it's just a brilliant way to connect. Yeah. And it's just such lovely people, and you feel like you know them, don't you? you I mean, do. I've never met you in person, but I feel like I know you because we've been <laughs> on Zoom calls before. Yeah, yeah, and I think when you're listening to somebody on a podcast, you get to know them, even though they don't know you. Yeah, so you you sort of feel like you know people because I know that. I listen to other podcasts as well so I feel like I know some of the podcast hosts even though I've never met them yeah (laughs) so tell us a little bit about how you because you've got children haven't you how old are they oh uh 25 and 22 so so I've just got one at home okay so how tell us a bit about how you incorporated low carb into your home life and how that worked out um with your rest of your family yeah, I think to begin with, it was more sort of just cooking what I would normally cook for them and then um, cutting out the carbs for me and just say, um, you have a spag ball. I just don't have the spaghetti, but I maybe have more of the meat and have vegetables with it, even salad actually in the summer I would have with it. And um, things like curries, I would just swap out the rice for cauliflower rice, which I really like now, which I've never thought I did. If you flavor it properly, it's lovely. Um, and think I think the hardest thing when you first go low carb is thinking, well, what am I going to eat? Because I'd always base my meals around the carbs. So it was always that, well, we're having curry tonight. So that means it's rice with what? What kind of curry are we going to have? Or it was, we're having pasta tonight. What are we going to have with it? Um, but now I just concentrate on the meat part or the protein part of the meal first and everything else comes around it but the rest of my family my husband's pretty good actually he'll eat pretty much what I eat but the others tend to they're used to the carbs and the you know 22 year old you can't tell him that you can't have his chips and things like that but what I've done now is I've bought an air fryer yeah so rather than doing oven chips or frying them in oil I, I just do them in the air fryer so I know that there's no nasty oils in them so you just do the potatoes from you just is it just normal potatoes yep, then rather just normal than potatoes by, yeah yeah so you know that there's nothing in there that yeah or it'll have sweet potatoes sometimes uh, I do all kinds in the air fryer I love it so somebody put a post on one of the Facebook groups I'm on that she got a air fryer for Christmas so tell us that tell, I just can't get my head around why you'd use an air fryer so. Go on, tell us some of the things that you do. Well, I think, no, I think the reason I got an air fryer was because 
I used to buy what well, I got this um, organic chicken box delivered and you get in it, you get like a couple of um, sort of half chicken, you know, half a chicken, but like mostly breast. And whenever I used to cook, it was really, really dry. And someone said to me, I'll cook it in the air fryer. It'll be really moist. And it's absolutely amazing. And it'll take maybe 25 minutes. Mm. Whereas to roast it in the oven will take twice that. Yeah. So I do, I do that in the air fryer. I do the chips, like I say. Another thing that I love doing in the air fryer is halloumi. So for breakfast, I'll have um, a couple of soft boiled eggs and I'll cut the halloumi into sort of fry size and just put them in the air fryer with a little bit of oil for 10 minutes and they crisp up really nice. Ooh. I mean, a lot of people go for these ninja air fryers, which cost a fortune. They've got all these different drawers in, but I just, I think mine cost me about 60 quid and it's quite a big one. Ah, I, would, yeah. I would recommend getting quite a big one so you can you can fit the chicken in. I mean, you can you can roast a whole chicken in if you wanted to. Ah, uh, yeah, okay, yeah. I get it. But it, it does it does keep it really really moist. Excellent. Ooh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do any cooking, so I can't imagine uh, Julian doing something different using a. You know, we've got a thermomix at home, but only I use the thermomix and. So what's a Thermomix? And I don't know what that is. So a Thermomix is this amazing kitchen gadget, which I also sell as well. And um, so it does, it's it's like a blender bowl mm-hmm. and it goes into the machine. And so you can um, cook whole dinners in it. Uh, it would tell you it has a screen on it and it tells you step by step what to do. So uh, we quite do do a lot of curries and it will say put in the, coriander seeds put in the cumin seeds then it will grind them up so you're using grinding your own herbs and then you add in the ghee for example you know it just tells you so you don't need to know you don't need to read a recipe you just press next and it says add this it weighs it so you don't have to take the scales you just put it straight in the machine and it weighs it it cooks it um fries so you can fry courgettes or mushrooms or things like that in it um it blends it slow cooks it fast cooks it what else does it do it steams so it's got a steaming basket and it's got a steamer on top so you could while you're cooking what you're cooking underneath you could steam your chicken on top or your vegetables so it does it does lots of things so all my cake blending stuff gets done in it um if i'm making a cheesecake it just takes me 10 seconds to whip up a cheesecake mixture no <laughs> um and it and it's all just weighed in there so i don't have to worry about weighing everything separately and putting it in a bowl i just add it in one by one and mix it up excellent no something to look into i mean i do like a slow cooker as well because um after christmas i use the bones of the turkey to make a um, bone broth yeah so wow. i got about 3 pints out of that Excellent. Yeah, that's excellent. So tell us what an average day looks like to you when you're at home. Well, you're always at home because you work from home. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what What's a day of food for you? Um, so the morning doesn't exist of any food because I'm just not hungry. And I don't have a set time to eat. So I just probably about today, between one and two o'clock, I might decide I want something to eat. And that will probably consist of something to do with eggs. So I might have an omelette or scrambled egg or um, the boiled egg, and maybe with like bacon or a bit of gammon or something. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I've got avocado downstairs as well, so I could use that. Although I don't really like avocado cold, I tend to sort of um, cut them in half and put them in the oven, and a bit like a jacket potato. Ah, yeah. So I'll have that, and then I won't eat again until the evening meal, which will be um, about six, half six. And today, believe it or not, turkey curry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we've got any leftovers left. I think they've all gone. Yeah, turkey curry and the slow cookers. But so, yes, I would just have two meals a day. Um, don't really snack. I mean, I might have um, like a cup of tea in the afternoon and think I fancy a couple of squares of dark chocolate with it, like 85% dark chocolate. Mm. But that's not every day. Yeah. Um, so I just don't tend to eat between meals. Yeah. Yeah. And then drinks wise, it's things like, I mean, I do like tea. I drink black tea and I'll have maybe like herbal tea every so often. I don't like coffee really. Yeah. I mean, so I got, I got um, one of those pucker advent calendars for Christmas, you know, the pucker tea. So I've, I've tried <laughs> 24 different teas. So what I've done is like save the packet from the ones that I like and thrown the others away. Yeah. I've decided I don't like anything that's got matcha in it. Yeah. It's quite bitter, is it? Yeah. It's bittery. I'm not one for herbal teas. You know. mm. If I don't, if I'm not drinking black tea, I tend to not drink anything. Mm. Or sometimes I have white tea as well. Or fizzy water. That's another one that's not too bad with a bit of lemon in it. Yeah. Do you do any fasting other than your intermittent fasting or time restricted eating? Yeah, I do. Um, every so often, probably about once every three or four months, I'll try and do a 72 hours and see how far I get with that. So I did one about three weeks ago which I thought was maybe a bit silly before Christmas but I did really well with it and I think it was because I think during the winter the weight creeps up a little bit um I I don't know what it is it's dark nights and things like that that the weight creeps up I think it was just a little bit of a weight control thing before Christmas to get a few pounds off yeah which I managed to get about three pounds off in three days so does it stay off though or do you just put it back I usually put about a pound back on and then it stays off yeah but i've not been near the scales since christmas eve so. me neither me neither i did think I of getting on today but I think, yeah wait wait a bit <laughs> oh well I, I every year i think if i hadn't gone off plan between christmas and new year maybe i'd be lower now than i than i am but every year i just think ah oh, it's christmas i mean i know it's not all about the number on the scales but i think from years of being fixated on that it matters doesn't it it sort of matters yeah I've come to the conclusion that so long as I don't go back to where I was I'm not that worried about it yeah so at the moment I'm at my upper level of where I want to be so I have a sort of seven pound window and I've been I'm for quite a few months now I've been at the upper end and I think well maybe that's where my body wants to be when you do exercise as well though don't you yeah, you do have, taekwondo? I do my taekwondo, yeah, yeah, three times a week or three hours a week. At the moment, it's three times a week, but yeah. in February, it'd be twice a week, but three hours. Yeah. Yeah. And, but I haven't done been doing much else since we did the walking challenge oh, back right. in November. Yeah. I haven't really done anything else. I See, I walk with the dog much. regularly, but probably, I mean, he's getting a bit old now, so he, he can't go out every day, but we'll maybe have just over an hour every other day. And it'll be a good proper walk on the beach or over the sand dunes or something. Yeah. Um, and then I do my, like I say, I do my, um, I've only been doing it the last couple of months, really, personal training. The gym that I go to for my meditation class, I just thought, well, 
maybe I should have I've never liked the gym aerobics and things like that prancing around getting sweaty is not my thing but when I used to go to the gym years ago I used to like things like weights um so I I just booked a session with him just to see what he thought and he said well I'll do whatever you want to do and I said well these are the exercises I like doing this is what I don't like doing yeah and so we tend to do sort of like circuit training you know hip things um as in high intensity not hitting well I hit things as well (laughs) (laughs) And the weights, and I, I don't know what it is about the weights. I just really enjoy the weights. Oh, and, yeah. You know, I, I can feel like how much stronger I am, particularly in my legs. Yeah. That's but exciting. it does put, I think it probably does put a little bit of weight on as well when you're doing things like that. Yes, because muscle is heavier than fat. So yeah. you're going to have more muscle, I guess, if you're building muscle. Hopefully the idea is to build muscle. Well, that's what I said to him. I want to, I want to build lean muscle and strengthen bones I think as you because I'm I'm 51 now so I don't want to sort of get to the stage where I think oh everything's downhill from now which I think a lot of people when they get to 50 think oh well that's it now isn't it they Um, do and I and I think you know maybe we've come to this later in life where we're now thinking I don't know about you but I feel better now in my 50s than I did in my 20s even in my teens yeah 100% so you why would you think your life's coming to an end it's sort of almost a new beginning yeah yeah I mean I, I don't I don't want to just think well I'll just go to the doctors and this is going to start going I mean I do have in my family history so I have you know there's there's cancer there's strokes um you know there's um rheumatism problems like things like ankylosing spondylitis I think my nan had that she was she was quite debilitated in a wheelchair with that and I think a lot of people just think well if you've got things like that in your family then it's going to happen to you but you know like I've heard people say before it you know it's like you're born with the loaded gun it's up to you whether you pull the trigger and I think it's sort of like 80 percent is lifestyle and 20 percent is genetic so it's not inevitable yeah that absolutely. this is you know if a family member has got has had cancer do you just think oh well it's going to happen to me eventually so you should do everything that you can to keep yourself out of that yeah so yeah so uh, it's about the genes so we have our genes that we've inherited from our parents, but it's the epigenetics, whether you turn that gene on or you turn it off or you keep it turned off. So what we do, how we live will decide, like you say, load the gun. Yeah. The, load, the gun is loaded, but do you pull the trigger? So we have a lot of choice in that. And I think people have, maybe they use it as an, an excuse to say, it's 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 out of my control I can't do anything about it but actually there is a lot now like you another common thread is that we have a lot of cancer and strokes in our family rather than we don't have diabetes but cancer and strokes so and heart yeah my, my grandma had angina my grandpa had angina but they smoked they were you know they grew up in the in the 20s and 30s of the last century where smoking was just normal and yeah. and I'm sure that has something to do with it as well well I mean my granddad had had two strokes in his 40s mm. um, and when people think back and they think well you, your grandparents generation were healthier but my grandparents weren't actually but see, they, they're both at 18 I suppose my granddad was in the, he was in the war he's like flight lieutenant um, and my nan was in the wrens yeah and I think stress maybe causes a lot of problems for people. I mean, yeah, they both did smoke, but I do think the stress of everything, um, 
I don't think people concentrate on enough on stress relief because we're so go, go, go all the time, aren't we? Yeah. So I think there was a podcast I was listening to. I think it was a food addiction podcast and they had this doctor on and they were talking about the um, sympathetic nervous system, which is your fight and flight. Mm-hmm. And then your parasympathetic nervous system, which what did he call it? The rest, rest and digest. digest. Yeah. yeah. And he said that we're in this constant alert. He said, as soon as you wake up in the morning, you look on your phone, you switch the TV on, the news comes on. And he said, and you're just in this heightened alert constantly. And people have forgotten how to calm down, how to relax. He said, even eating a meal, you're not sat at the table chatting to people. I mean, we do, we sit at the table for our meals, mm. apart from maybe Saturday night in front of the telly kind of a treat. But people don't have that sort of relax. And I think where that's the meditation has come for me a lot. Um, something that I would never have thought that I would have done years ago. Yeah. And I just saw the class advertised. And I mean, I, I was saying to the woman who runs it last week, you know, I did think when I started this in July, it was sitting around humming because that's what I thought meditation was. But do you know what? We have a brilliant time. We, we go to the class. We spend the first half an hour just chatting. How's everyone's week's been? And then we'll do the last half an hour meditation. And I come home from that so relaxed and probably have the best night's sleep that I've ever had. And I've got a smartwatch and it, it tracks your heartbeat. Mm-hmm. And when I've done the meditation, it's so low. It, it's like, and it's sort of like mid fifties and it'll stay low overnight. And I think that's why I wake up feeling like really calm. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. I, I do have trouble turning off. I think that is my biggest downfall when it comes to health is, is relaxing, but I do actually saying that I do most afternoons go and play some cards with my mom and I really try not to pick up my phone but sometimes I'm still picking it up to have Mm. a look while I'm waiting for her to deal or something like that so being aware how addicted we are to our phones is is a step isn't it yeah I mean I I admit it's the first thing I do when I wake up in the morning I look at my phone but then I have that sort of like half an hour in bed just flicking through my phone thinking I'm just catching up on everything I'll try not to do it during the day but, yep. you know, I'm working. I've got my phone next to me and it's on silent at the moment, but it's not normally. And every time I get an alert, I'm like, oh, I wonder what that is. Mm. And you can't yeah. help yourself because, um, I know, I've got my work emails come up on my phone and I've got them set. So a certain noise, I know it's a work email. So I'm not constantly checking the computer. Yeah. No, I have my phone on silent all the time now um, because I've got a watch. It will buzz, but I don't have my phone on at all. So I don't, I miss a lot of the notifications and then I look yeah. and then I've got a whole load, but most of them are not important. I should really well, no, I mean, I, I didn't check my emails probably from Christmas Eve up until the end of Boxing Day. And I had so many. And I think I wish I'd done them on a day-to-day basis because most of them was junk mail. Anyway, this time of year, it's just people trying to tell, sell you stuff, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Any website that you've ever been on, they're going to send you a message. Oh, look, this is in the sale. Do you want to buy this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've got quite good at unsubscribing from unwanted. Uh, well, I've, news, do you know, I, I have done a few of those because, but it, it would take me hours to unsubscribe from everything. Yeah, I just do a few here and there mm. as it comes up. I good think, idea. Oh, yeah, I don't need that one. Unsubscribe. You can always re- resubscribe if you wanted yeah. to. So, what's 2022 going to look like for you? Oh, gosh. I think from like the PHC side of things I would like to get a little bit more involved 
Um, I think there's going to be a proper conference this year in May in Bristol. So I'm definitely going to go to that. I've still got my tickets from 2019. Oh, Oh, well, I'll see you there. (laughs) So, yeah, I I don't know, really. Um, Work's ticking along all right. I'm busy enough. So I think it's more sort of concentrating on on the PHC, the low-carb stuff, um, trying to complete this course that I've got with the Nutrition Network. I'm doing the neurology course, but I'm only halfway through it. And I've got to say, I've probably been on it about six months now because I've been so busy with work that I've just not had the time to do it. So I think that's one of my goals this year. And also there's um, a virtual summit, like the World Nutrition Summit. Mm -hmm. Um, I did that last year, and that's in March this year for three days, a Thursday through to the Saturday. Yeah. I I tended to take the days off work and just watched it all live. Yeah. Yeah, you have to really set aside the time to do that, don't you? Yeah, so, yeah, really, it's just um, um, just making time to do things. So, like I said, I, I started going to the gym. I do the meditation classes, and they're in my diary every week, the things I've got to do. I mean, I'm at the gym today at half past four, and I'm working, and I'm, I'll get to about four o'clock and think, oh, I really could do without this. I've not got time. Yeah. But because it's in the diary and he's expecting me and it's a one-to-one session, that once I'm there, I'm buzzing. I absolutely love it. Yeah, you're not going to cancel it at the last yeah. minute. So I, I do think you've got to put stuff in your diary and say, I'm going to do that. And it's non-negotiable. It's happening. Yes. Yeah. It's very easy. It's ve- it is very easy to to not do it, especially if you're busy at work and you just think, oh, I could do an- I could do a lot in that hour. Yeah. Actually taking that hour off and going to the gym, or it's probably two hours the time you go and come back. Um you know, you, you need that break, don't you? Yeah, but the downside of that really is that because I'm self-employed, I will come back and work. Yeah. So I'll probably be working till, could be working till 10 o'clock tonight, even later, just to get everything done. I mean, I'm hoping maybe this week that there, there might be some people off because it's still school holiday, so I might not be quite as busy. And it would be nice to have a little bit of time off. Mm. Because even over Christmas, it was bank holiday yesterday, but I decided I've got such a backlog, I'm going to have to work. Yeah. But then we've got another bank holiday coming up as well, haven't we? Yeah. Was that Monday? Yeah. Monday. Yeah. Monday. Monday, yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. Are you going to take that one off? Yeah, probably. I'll take the Monday off. Yeah, I think so. But I think because it was Monday and Tuesday this week, I thought, well, I'll have Monday off and then Tuesday, I'll just get back to work. Mm. Yeah. But um, Christmas Day, it was just quiet, just like me and my husband and the two boys. And my mum had gone to my brother's. But then my mum came here for a meal on Monday. So we sort of had another Christmas Day. So it was quite nice to do two small days rather than one massive all get together. Yes. Yeah. I was telling you offline, we ended up being very small because we had COVID came to visit. So (laughs) we had a small thing. So we haven't isolated so two people I think well one's tested positive one not but I'm sure my sister has it but we decided not to isolate we just all stayed together um but we didn't bring in in anyone else who was vulnerable so yeah we just stayed the five of us and that was quite nice quite quiet well it is it's nice I think sometimes you can get a little bit stressed out at Christmas when you've got so much to do and I do think that having small gatherings for me was easier to control the food yes. because I do have quite a lot of food pushes in my family. <laughs> um, 
And I've got quite upset about it in the past because being told that like you're being miserable and oh stop being miserable and you're spoiling the party because you won't have a piece of cake. It's um it's not nice. <laughs> no, it's not nice. That's really harsh, isn't it? Yeah. So how have you overcome that? Uh, I just won't rise to it anymore. I don't think. I just say, no, thank you. I'm not having it. Or I have an alternative. Mm. But that one particular day was my son's birthday and his girlfriend had bought him this cake and he'd come home with it. And they were like, oh, let's all have a piece of cake. And I said, oh, I don't want any thanks. And I was told by somebody I was being miserable. And then my son came into the kitchen and said, I don't mind if you don't have a piece of cake. If that's what, you know, he knows that I yeah. don't eat cake. But it is difficult. And just recently, there's a couple of members of my family. One has gone vegetarian. Yeah. And another one has decided that um, they want to try and cut out drinking for three months, see how they feel. Might not go back to it. And they're encouraged to do that. They're like, oh, good for you. You know, good for you for being a vegetarian. It's really healthy. And, Mm. you know, good for you for cutting out the booze. Now, that person who's decided not to drink, are they told on Christmas Day, when they refused a glass of bubbly, that they're being miserable be boring, and spoiling it for yeah. everybody. No, they're not. But I'm spoiling everybody's fun if I'm not eating cake. So yeah. I think that says more about them than it does about me. It does, because they want they want validation that it's okay to have the cake because they yeah. know they shouldn't be having it, I guess. Yeah. That's what I think. But it's um, quite hurtful. I, I don't know. I'm sort of over it now, but I, I did find it quite hurtful. I thought, do you know what? You, you know that I've been doing this. So why are you saying I'm miserable because I don't want cake? Mm. And I do know that if I do eat the cake, it triggers something and I want more. Yeah. I mean, even with the um, the sugar replacements, I do have a bit of a problem. I, I do overeat them. And I've also yeah. noticed that um, one thing that I can't have now, I had a sub- subscription to this um, pork crackling. You used to get like a subscription <laughs> box. Four packets used to come every month and they'd all gone in the week. Once I'd opened a packet, I'd had to eat the whole lot. Yeah. And I did. I don't know what it was about that. Maybe it was the saltiness. It, there is something about it. I don't buy them anymore. No, I, well, I, I, I just thought I, I had to cancel them. the subscription because I thought I can't do this. I was opening a 100 gram packet and eating all of them in one day. Yeah. Put, and you know, putting them, yeah, back, putting them in the cupboard. Of, yeah, yeah. Quite a lot of macros. You know, there is protein well, in it, but there's quite a lot of fat as well. I know, but... What I was doing was sealing the bag up, putting it in the cupboard. But then I was like, oh, well, I just have another one. I think it's there's something about it. It's like, um, see, I'm not one for normal crisps, um, but kettle chips. I I have the same thing with pork crackling. I think I'll just have a few, but then I would always used to go back for more. So I used to buy some kettle chips. If I was going on a long journey, I'd have them in the car in case I was hungry. And I just think, oh, I'll have a couple. But, of course, the whole packet's gone. And I find the same with um, pork scratchings and pork. But I was buying those thinking that that was a good choice to make. Yeah. Yeah. And they were were keto-friendly ones as well. I got them online. So they they were sort of approved as being keto and they didn't have any rubbish in them. Yeah. Um, But but I just thought, do you know what? I've I've got to stop buying these. I just can't have them in the house. Yeah, I don't buy them anymore. And and what I found is if I do, they tend to go off before before I get to use them because I know mm. if I open them I'm going to have to eat the whole packet yep. so I just don't I don't have them because it's quite there's quite a lot of fat in yeah, them well I know yeah yeah 
So it's fat and protein, but I think I'd rather eat a meal. I'd rather have a lamb, some lamb chops or a pork chop or yeah. some, uh, I'm not that keen on steak, but even steak is probably better than eating pork scratchings. And also, like I was saying before, I don't snack pork. If I've got yeah, those. that as well. And I'm, you know, I'm a little bit hungry. I'll just have a couple of those. They're good for you. Yeah. And then the whole bag's gone in the same day. Yeah. And it's between a meal. Yeah. Yeah. It, yes. And that's why I don't do them. <laughs> so do you find that you read or listen to keto, low-carb books? Yeah, I think during lockdown, it was something that I was always interested in after reading Michael Mosley's book. And I started to collect books from sort of the, your low-carb celebrities like Seamal Hotra and Zoe Harkham, Robert Lustig. And I bought these books and they were just sat on a shelf. And then during lockdown, I thought, well, I've got time to read the books. And what I've started to do was to download them on Audible. Mm-hmm. and if it was something that I thought that was more interested in and I wanted to get more out of it, I would buy the actual book itself. Like one example is Robert Lustig's Metabolical. I mean, that's just an absolutely superb book. And I listened to it on Audible twice and then I bought the book as well. And you can tell that I just, I'm constantly looking through that. Um, I mean, he talks so much about processed food and I, I don't know, it's just one of those books that just blew my mind. And like I was saying about Michael Mosley was the first one that I ever bought and he's brought out other books since then. So there's one called the clever guts diet. And then you've got like your fast 800 and he's actually bringing out a keto one now. Yeah. I think the way that he writes his books is very easy for people like me without a medical background to, to, to listen to and to, and to understand. Yeah. Um, I haven't actually read any Michael Mosley ones interestingly enough but and he does one on sleep as well that's another thing oh wow yeah Yeah. fast asleep it's called yeah i'm gonna have to get that robert lustig one i haven't yeah he's he's probably up there he's i would say that him and tim noakes are on a par of like how much i i just admire them yeah yeah i met him um i've got a photo actually of me with him at the phc conference in 2019 right and I have asked him to come on the podcast, but he's obviously very busy. We, we'll get him eventually. Yeah. Well, that'd be brilliant. Yeah. So, yes, that's now on my list of things to listen to. I'm going to go for the audible version first. Yeah, I would recommend that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm currently listening to Ravenous by Sam Apple. But actually, there's a lot about that, which is um, regarding, well, it's about Otto Warburg and the effects of the Warburg effects on cancer. But at the bit that I'm into, which is quite the beginning, there's a lot of history around um, scientists in Germany and what was going on in Germany at the time. So it's quite interesting. But we haven't got to any of the real cancer and nutrition stuff yet. Yeah, I've, I've got that book as well. And I think I've listened to podcasts with him as well, a couple of podcasts talking to people about it. Mm. So does it get into the, does it get more into the nutrition? Oh, yeah, further yeah on? it does. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't got there yet. So that's good. So you were saying earlier on that you quite often will work until 10 o'clock in the evening, because if you've taken time out to go to the gym and things like that, do you find that that affects your sleep? How do you deal with sleep stuff? Yeah, working late does affect my sleep. I'm silly, really. I I 
tend to say 10 o'clock is cut off and then I've got an hour to relax before I go to bed, but that doesn't always work. But I do find that the meditation helps with sleep Mm -hmm. and the breathing exercises. It sort of like helps to calm you down. And one of the things I didn't realize was I think I had too much light in the bedroom because we were decorating about six months ago and we moved into another bedroom and I didn't have an alarm clock in there. Yeah. And I felt that I slept so much better. So when we moved back into the main bedroom, I decided I wasn't going to have an alarm clock. And I find if I wake up in the night now, um, if I can't see what time it is, I tend to go back to sleep. Yeah. Whereas before I used to look at the clock and stress thinking, oh, my God, it's two o'clock and I can't get back to sleep or, oh, it's half six and the alarm's going off in half an hour and stressing about that. Yeah. So I do I do think that keeping electronics out of the bedroom helps, although I do have my phone, but it goes on to night mode yeah. at about 11 o'clock and comes back on at seven. Yes. So the screen will go dark and all the apps will go off. The only thing you can set it up for like certain phone calls can come through in an emergency. Yes. But yeah. apart from that, it's off completely. So I don't wake up in the night and reach for the phone and look at what's on it. I just don't bother with it at all. Yeah, me neither. So what I do now is when I go to bed, one, it goes into night mode quite early in the evening. But then I when I go to bed, I put it, I turn off the Wi-Fi, the Bluetooth and the mobile data. So only the phone can ring. Yeah. And once it's and I put it in a drawer. It's, it is near the bed because we don't have a landline anymore. So if my mum needs me, she'll phone. Um, and and it, I don't pick it up in the night. We'll not open it anymore. I used no. to. but No, don't. I've never done that. But it amazes me that people are so addicted to the phones that they'll get up to go to the toilet in the night and take the phone with them. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I never did that. But sometimes, you know, when you can't sleep and you think, oh, I'll play a game or I'll do this. I don't do that anymore. I either read. The only thing I, I would use it for if, if I couldn't sleep, I maybe would listen to one of my audible books or a podcast or something. Yeah, that's that is something I have done. I have a book that I listen to, which generally will send me back to sleep unless I'm in a place where I really can't sleep. But yeah, I, I try not to pick it up and I try not to put it on. What else would you recommend people about sleep? I can't really say because I don't do it myself. I mean, I know all the <laughs> things you should do. I know all the things you should. I mean, I, I don't sleep that. I would I would love to go to bed and not wake up all night or maybe just wake up once. But I always wake up. Mm. And more often than not, I have to go to the toilet. <laughs> yeah, me too. And then you're wide awake, can't you? You're lying yeah. there thinking, I'll be all right. I won't go. And of course you doze off and then you wake back up again. It's like, I'm going to have to go. But like last night I probably slept because I've got a thing on my watch that tells me how long I've slept. You've got the aura ring, haven't you? I, have I think I slept ring. about six and a half hours, but I felt like I was awake for most of that. I don't know why I was dreaming a lot last night. And I said to my husband, oh, how did you sleep last night? Fine. I think he doesn't remember. I'd love to be able to go to bed and not remember how well I slept. Yes. Yeah yes and that, I, know, I, think, I know what's the right thing to do and how many hours you should get I mean I try to go to bed for 11 to try and be asleep for half past mm-hmm. so I know I'm getting about seven seven and a half hours yeah but it very rarely happens yeah but I know it is important and you know people do say it's really important yes and and I I have definitely made some changes in that respect because I used to average 
around five and a half hours sleeping time, not even asleep, you know, the time I was asleep. So I'd go to bed at one or two o'clock in the morning, get up at half six or six o'clock. So I didn't give myself a long time, but I've been moving it backwards over time. I try and go to bed, but even then I sometimes wake up. I was awake at five o'clock this morning and had finished my book. It was only, it was only a few pages, but I just thought I can't get back to sleep. So I need to do something. So I, I tend to read and that will quite often. So if just... you were going to bed about one o'clock in the morning, that's probably the kind of thing that I would do. Not everybody's the type of person who goes to bed early and gets up early. I think I'm one of these people that if I could choose what time I go to bed, it would probably be between midnight and one mm, yeah. and maybe wake about eight and get up about nine. I think that would be my ideal. Yeah. I, yes. So I've I've always felt that I, well, when I was younger, I, I always felt I needed to sleep for 10 hours, but it would be late. So from one or two in the morning until midday would be good. <laughs> but life gets in the way, doesn't it? You yeah. can't do that, especially kids. They need to go to school. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I, I now probably in bed around eight or nine hours now. Yeah. But a lot of that is awake. But over Christmas, did you find that you going to bed and waking up was different because you didn't have to get up for work? I mean, I, I was stopping up last night. I've got to admit, I went to bed at about half past 12, one o'clock because I was fl- I don't tend to watch that much TV, but I was flicking through last night and I saw the film Misery and I thought, oh, I love this film. And I just every time the adverts came on, I was like, I'm going to go to bed now. And then I'd end up watching the next bit and the next bit. And it, it got to probably getting on one o'clock and I thought I'm going to have to go to bed. Yeah. Yeah, so I've been, yeah, the last few days has been going to bed a lot later, but then not, well, yesterday I was working for a bit and then, but the other days is not setting the alarm, just wake up when I wake up. Yeah. That's good. I, I like Christmas time where you do that. You <laughs> and you can do to. it again this weekend as well. I can. <laughs> <laughs> Nicola, we're coming to the end of the show now. Um, so what we'd like to ask you is how can people contact you on social media or anywhere else? Okay, um, so I'm on Facebook, and that is nicola.lock.969. And you can get me on Twitter at nicolalock07. And um, Instagram is nicola.lock underscore LCHF. And also you could contact me if, um, if anyone was interested in any of the PHC work or anybody locally, then could go on the PHC website and this is my contact details under the ambassadors page. Excellent. Yeah, for Southport. Excellent. Um, so we always finish with your three top tips. It could be anything that you would tell to a beginner or somebody further along their journey. What would you recommend to them? Uh, my top tip I always say to people is to read the food labels. So this is, I always say it's a real food way of life. So most of the food you're eating, you should know what it is and you shouldn't have to read a label, but there are going to be odd occasions where we need to buy packets and, and tins. So I would always encourage people not to look on the front of the package, yeah. but always to turn it over and look at the carb uh, content because quite often on the front of the packet, it'll say it's got quite low sugar. Yes. And on the back, it'll say that the carbohydrates are massive. And this is what one of the groups that I'm working with at the moment um the, the patients are just so shocked by this yeah so yeah that that is my 
first top tip is it's a must really you need to know what's in your food and also you know you're looking out for all those chemical things that they put in them and loads of different things and and the we often say this the 54 different names for sugar so it might say it's got low sugar but but what else is it hiding so yeah and sometimes it still says Um, whose book I was talking about, The Metabolical, Mm -hmm. he says if one of the first three ingredients is sugar, it's a dessert. So put it back. Yeah, great (laughs) great advice. And um, Rangan Chatterjee says if it has more than five ingredients, then leave it out, don't have it. So they're they're good rules of thumb to follow. And you you see something. So I was given something recently that was a keto bar, and it's low sugar and only made with sweeteners. And, and it was, you know, if you read through the ingredients, it was only sweeteners, all different sorts of sweeteners. But when you look at the actual carb, it was uh, in the inner bar. It was about, I'm, I'm showing you, Nicola, but no one else can see. Um, just a, a, a small bar. It was seven grams of carbs. Now, seven grams of carbs for me is about a third or a quarter of my daily intake. Yeah. Would I want to... Would I want to use my carbs on that for the whole day? Probably not. Yeah. So you have to, and I don't think it's, there's no right or wrong about it, but you have to weigh up. Is that something you want to use your carb count for? And also is that, is that bar going to fill you up? Even though it says it's keto and it's low carb. This, this is another thing that I have a problem with. The food companies are going to jump on this keto bandwagon. I think definitely they will. And that people are going to think, oh, well, I can eat that because it's low carb and it's keto. But really, if you look at, like I say, look at the label and see what's in it. Yeah, absolutely. Great tip. I like that one. (laughs) So uh, another tip would be um, it's important to take time out for yourself. Um, So like with my meditation classes and with um, my personal training, but also at work, I feel that if I get stressed at work or I feel I cannot get away from the desk, I will just maybe take the dog for a walk for half an hour or um, I'll go and do some jobs. So I might have a little bit of iron I need to do. I want to hoover up or something and I'll plug a podcast in for half an hour, do a bit of housework. But at the same time, I'm doing something I enjoy as well. And then I feel relaxed and I come back to it. I think a lot of people don't take enough time for themselves. You always seem to be doing for other people. Yeah. Sometimes feel a little bit selfish saying, well, this is a bit of me time now. Yeah. But very important. Agree with that. Yeah, totally. I probably take a bit too much me time, but there we go. (laughs) I'm not complaining. That's why you're going to live to be over 100. (laughs) Yeah, 107. (laughs) Here we come. Um, And another thing I would say my third would be to find like-minded people or groups to connect with. Um. It can be quite a lonely place when you first get going and you get a lot of resistance from family and friends who say, well, you know, if I said I was going to join Weight Watchers or Slimming World tomorrow, everyone would think that was quite a normal thing to do. But if I said, well, I've decided that I'm not going to eat starchy carbs and and grains and oils and, and sugar, everyone thinks that like what kind of like weird person are you? So if you can find a group of people to connect with, mm-hmm. um, on Facebook or are there any other ways? Probably not at the moment. No, no face-to-face things. No, but there's, um, I mean, guess, I guess following people on Instagram and Twitter as well. Yeah, and also the just podcast, keeps listening you in... to people's stories and thinking, wow, they're like me. 
yeah i think that's really important that we have a range of guests that are not just the big names in the in the industry but people mm. that are just taking the journey took the steps however they came into it and we mentioned this last week on the podcast that everybody comes in through their unique way of coming to low carb and and everyone comes in at a different stage and a different level of their journey and i think just where, whichever way you come into it but we we like to talk to people like you and me that that have just made the journey but together we sort of make it stronger and we keep each other accountable in yeah, a way. And through your podcast that I now am a member of your Facebook group mm-hmm. so that's the kind of support you want I mean if you're having a bad day or something it's people that you can sort of vent to a little bit and say oh I'm not having a very good day and this isn't going right for me and say, oh yeah we've been that and it's all the support it's great yeah I remember a post you did in one of the groups was um was about that family member that yeah said that and it's it's like then you get the the backup and the support that you feel you need that's what yeah that's why I posted that because because like I said it upset me and I thought well do you know what these people are going to understand what I'm going through absolutely so, yeah and then after a while I thought it's not that such a big a deal and there wasn't the time for me you see yeah, because that's really that's really harsh. That's a harsh thing to say. The other thing that we spoke about before we came online was that it's nice to have somebody to talk to about this because your family don't understand and your friends, they roll their eyes and go, here she goes again. Um, whereas if you're in a group, you know you can talk freely and people will understand and will support you. And it does seem to be a really friendly group. I mean, I'm not just saying that, but they are all, everybody just seems to be genuinely nice people. Um, and I think maybe your nutrition, it comes out as in quite a calm, friendly person. I will 100% back that up because I used to be really angry, not noticeably angry, but I was forever shouting at the kids, do this, do that, come here, go there run upstairs and I was always shouting but once I changed my what I ate that all went away yeah I agree definitely with that and I just am really chilled now I used to think that things got to me more people would say things or people would do things and I used to take offense but now I just think well that's I can't control the way other people think and what they do so I just let it go Mm. but I would never have done that before no (laughs) But you, these are one of these are the benefits that you notice afterwards. It's not something you thought about before, but you do no. notice it when you're. So it's not just the weight loss. I think Louise says that, doesn't she? Yeah. That you know you come for the weight loss and you stay for all the other benefits. Yeah, definitely. Nicola, thank you so much for being with me today. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Even though Nicola didn't have a lot of weight to lose she still managed to lose 23 pounds and improve her health. As she said, she had a noticeable difference in her skin conditions and she's very chilled. So what's not to love about changing the way you eat? Talking to Nicola, I found that we have lots of things in common from our feeding family to our studies and our affiliations and also to our challenges and some of the things that we've had to overcome or are still working on it is it is a work in progress anyway if you want to see the show notes head over to fabulouslyketo.com forward slash podcast forward slash zero seven 
zero. It would be great if you could support us through Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash fabulously keto and you can choose the monthly amount you wish. Can you recommend a guest we can interview? If you can, click on the link in the show notes to send us your recommendation. Would you like to join our Facebook group? Search for Fabulously Keto on Facebook. Our Facebook page is called Fabulously Keto and you can follow us there. Or you can follow us on Twitter. Our handle is Fabulously Keto. Or follow us on Instagram, Fabulously Keto 1. Did you enjoy the show? Let us know you listened by tagging us in your Insta story or Instagram post using the handle Fabulously Keto 1 and the hashtag TFKP. All the links are on the website and in the show notes. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, click the subscribe button. Reviews help us to be found and reach new listeners. Please leave a review of our show on your preferred podcast listening platform. We appreciate you taking the time and read them all. Disclaimer. The information in this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. Nothing in this podcast can be taken as advice. Whether our guests are doctors, healthcare professionals or not, they're only sharing their own opinions and stories and this does not constitute a doctor-patient relationship. It's always best to seek professional medical advice should you wish to make any changes to your current medication or treatments. Also speak to your own doctor if you have any concerns about your health or you wish to make lifestyle changes, especially if you're taking medication. <laughs>